Okay, we have a few announcements this morning. The biggest one is that we need everybody to sign up for the retreat today. I have to give numbers on Tuesday. So if you haven't done that, get your phone out and do that right now. You don't have to pay right now, but we do need you to sign up. And then make sure that you understand once you sign up, you're committed for that. So even if something happens and you can't come, we'll still need you to pay for it because we have to pay for it. However, if you think you can't come and then you find that you can, we have flexibility with places to stay. The only flexibility we don't have is with meals. So just know that if you need to come after sign-up has closed, that's great, but you'll have to bring your own meals. Um, but if you'll let me know, I'll double-check and make sure that that's the case um, because they may cook a little bit extra. So just know that we need you to sign up today. Several of you have asked about dietary restrictions, and they offer gluten-free, dairy-free, and vegetarian options. If you require any other accommodations, you'll need to bring your own food. But if you need one of those, if you will note that on the sign-up. Josh, is there a place to do that on the sign-up? Yeah. Okay, note that on the sign-up so that I can let them know because we have to give them notice if we're going to do dietary restrictions. And that's the big thing about the retreat today. Sign up. Call your friends that aren't here this morning and make sure they're signed up. Um, next Saturday, March the 18th at 9.30. Uh, no. <laughs> yes, you can. No, you're going to find out before then because we're going to send you a text that tells you how much money you owe, and that'll be based on where your accommodations are. So you'll know when you get that text where you're going to be. Thanks for asking that. Okay, ladies' breakfast this Saturday, March the 18th at 9.30 at Claudia's house. Ladies, we would love for you to be there, and we would love for you to bring somebody with you. So invite a friend from work, invite a neighbor, invite somebody from our family here at Denton North that you think might not come if they didn't get an invitation. Um, and that's going to be a great time of just being together and eating together and a short devotional. And puppies. You can take a puppy home with you. Yeah. Um, and then just a reminder about um, the help that FOCUS asks us for. The Department of Education is removing some regulations that specifically protect religious student organizations like FOCUS. So on the newsletter, there's a button that you can tap to get more information and to learn what you can do to help with that. The big thing is just that it needs to be done by the 24th. It's a pretty short um, time period. So if you're interested in that, then take a look at the newsletter. It's also on Mighty Networks where you can get more information. Um, if you're in the stage of life where you're transitioning out of college and into post-college adulthood, then there is a meeting this afternoon from 4 to 6 in Arlington. 
Dinner will be included. They're going to do roundtable discussions that Austin Gage is going to facilitate. And uh, that's at 3200 Norwood Lane in Arlington from 4 to 6 tonight. The age is like targeted towards 22 to 28-ish, if that helps you any, to decide if that's for you. And then March 19th, next Sunday, is Ronnie's next workshop. It's called Learning, Loving, and Leading with the Scriptures. And that will be from 2 to 5 at C-Square Cafe in Carrollton. And there's also a button to sign up for that in the newsletter and on Mining Networks. And then make sure you have on your calendar, April 22nd is Spring Hita. That is our team camp fundraiser. And so make sure that you are going to be able to be a part of that. We are still waiting on further information on where that's going to be. So we'll let you know as soon as they nail down um, where they're going to have it at. But it's always a really fun event. Uh, whether or not you actually have money you can spend at it, it's always a lot of fun. So I would encourage you to make sure that's on your calendar. And then the last thing this morning is just a reminder about giving. And you can give through um, Tithely on our website. You can give through Venmo. Um, but that's just to help us with our expenses to operate as a church and to help people in our church community as well as outside in the Denton community. Any other announcements that I missed this morning? Is there anything anybody is like, oh, you didn't say blah, blah, blah. Okay, good. Then we're going to um, do what next? Oh, okay. Shayla is going to come up, and she is going to preach our sermon this morning. Uh-oh. Can I use another one of these? I can't, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, um, fun fact, I told Ronnie, like every time I see Ronnie's workshop, I think of Santa's workshop, and he goes, same thing, old, jolly, and fat. <laughs> and I said, you're not fat. <laughs> he goes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so that's the kind of fun banter you can have with Ronnie Worsham if you go to one of his workshops. Okay, I uh, am also doing like a part two of the Psalms. Grant did an amazing job last week, and his small group actually filmed a video that we're going to watch, which is awesome. So I'm sorry to embarrass your small group, but Hannah, you edited it, right? I can't say that word, edited, edited. You did an amazing job, but we're going to start off watching that to kind of prepare us. Do you feel like you're going through your life alone? Does your faith feel far off, abstract, and theoretical? Do you only talk to God once or twice a week? Does your soul ache for a moment-to-moment -moment communion with your Heavenly Father? Many of us feel dissatisfied and want to grow in these areas, but don't know how to do it. The inward mind and heart of man are deep, and figuring it all out on your own can feel overwhelming. What if you had a guide, a model to emulate, an example to follow? Ask your pastor about the Psalms. With the Psalms, you can voice your thoughts and feelings to God in any moment of your life. The Psalms are a carefully curated, time-tested collection of prayers that teach you to give your presence and attention to God in moments of elation, torment, heartache, boredom, gratitude, temptation, vengeance, repentance, unanswered prayer, and despair. Life will throw a lot at you, but the Psalms will be there to guide you in any and every circumstance, guaranteed. 
Don't move away from the hard reality of your life. Move toward it. When you're, if you're fighting off a cold, celebrating a promotion at work, or burying a loved one, God is ready and available to love you and dwell with you through the understanding of his presence that will be instilled by the Psalms. Side effects include an acute reduction in nihilism and solipsism. It may result in peace that surpasses all understanding. So steep your soul in the Psalms and see what happens. Is it on? Okay, so if you're, I see that we have some visitors today. I hope that I don't scare you away with my sermon today. But uh, that audio came from Grant preaching last week. So if you're wondering, like, is this like something they do at this church? They just like film weird infomercials? The answer is yes. But also, Grant made an infomercial intro to his sermon last week. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be hitting more on like the experiential part of what it's like to go to the Psalms and. I honestly, I was praying about like, I was like, God, like, what do you, what do you want them to know? Like, what, what is the thing? Like, what is the thing? And I really think what God wants you guys to know is that he's a good father and that he loves you so much. Um, I think that can just get to be like a throwaway phrase, but I don't want that to be a throwaway phrase today. I want that to begin to mean something to you or to further deepen something that you really already know, like viscerally, not just in your head, but like in your body. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and I'm going to start off with a satirical beatitude and we're going to put up sort of a spooky slide. So that first slide, and this is all the artwork for the most part today is from a guy named, oh, you can't even see it. It says, blessed are the distracted. And so this woman is sitting and then there's like a devilish shadow behind her. And so it's from Josh Nadeau. He's an artist on Instagram. You can find him at sword and pencil. He's a Christian artist. And he says, blessed are the distracted for they will be haunted by never knowing themselves. The ones who need to consume and entertain themselves to death, who run from every real moment of reflection or contemplation. Blessed are those who turn their backs to growth and discipleship and numb themselves with distraction. These will never know themselves. These will never grow nor mature. And he continues to say, that's the end of the satirical beatitude. He says, we've given our attention to so many things, longing for something deep and real and satisfying. And, you know, I added in different aspects of this, of like knowledge, you know, counseling structures, which I'm not against, okay? Uh, entertainment, traveling, concerts, food. Like I think a lot of these tend to be the idols of our city. Um, we also run from the work of participating in that satisfying reality. You can think of Grant doing the dishes in that video. Um, we live in a time and culture of distraction, and the consequences are real. They haunt us. We become disconnected from our true identity, both ultimate identity and personal identity. And we do that because it's easy, because being present and intentional is hard, and it costs us. And he goes on to say, I say, forget that easy way. Forget that drifting and mindless numbing. Welcome to the journey of maturity and growth, the present and still contemplative life, and be free. And so I think all the distractions, and we just, we really have so many of them. Like, I just think we didn't know what it was going to be like when the iPhone was introduced, or what it, all the ways they would use it to manipulate us to make money, and, all, and, and bait us into rage, and all kinds of things, and division, and um, you know, I'm not like 
against smartphones. I just think they are smarter than us. <laughs> they have like thousands of engineers who have figured out our deepest desires and deepest triggers and they placate on that all the time. It's interesting when you have the CEOs of these tech companies and they send their kids to schools without any of the tech that they build. Um, and so this is kind of an example, and I'm not saying anything bad, but if you could put up the next slide, I think these distractions, they form us into something. You guys, you just, GDAC, y'all got to get a better projector, man. <laughs> um, essentially, this is a picture of my cousin at her 15th birthday, and this is a picture of me at my 16th birthday with all my friends. And listen, there's nothing better or worse, okay? But my cousin and her friends, they're all like, so beautiful, like did this photo shoot, went to a fancy restaurant. We had hot dogs at my parents' house, and I also ended up babysitting at my own birthday. That's my godson, Jaden, who some of you know. <laughs> He's really small right there. And so I'm like, what happened between those time periods? And this isn't just her. I've seen this as a trend on social media where people who were much younger than me like, you know, when I was eight years old, like, my teeth were messed up real bad. I had Kool-Aid mouth, you know, <laughs> pigtails, hand-me-downs. And then eight-year-olds now are like, so here's how you do a makeup tutorial. <laughs> and you're like, how did, what happened here, you know? She gave me permission to use this photo, by the way, and her mom. But, um, but yeah, there's all these, you see all of this on Instagram where it's like, me as eight, them now. We look kind of still like children, and they look like adults. And I just think there's something that happened there under the surface, and I don't know what it is, but this is an example of what I'm trying to get at. All of those distractions form these implicit expectations that we end up living out, um, you know? And I'm not saying, like, my anti-establishment birthday party was better than hers, <laughs> you know, but I am saying, like, yeah, the distractions form us in some type of way. And I thought it was really cool because... MTV had this show called My Super Sweet 16 when I was uh, 16, and my invitation said, Shayla's super simple 16. Like, I really wanted people to know what they were getting into, just hot dogs, and maybe we were going to babysit together. Um, and then, if you can pull up the next picture, actually, which is, you can't even tell. This is my friend Carrie and Brenda, but we're in our unfinished garage. My dad really tried to jazz it up by putting some lights on the wall, but in the background are fishing poles and a life jacket and some soda cans. And I was like, Dad, why did you even put lights up? And he's like, because I love you. And I'm like, but your stuff's everywhere. <sighs> you know, it was super simple. And honest, honestly, we had a lot of fun. So here's a question. Don't answer out loud, <laughs> Justin. Okay. Where, where do you find yourself? And a lot of these things, like, I want you to know, like, I am in this with you. I've lived these things myself. Where do you find yourself at the beginning or the end of most days? Is it curled up on your couch with your face buried in your phone? Or are you, like, aching to withdraw and be with Jesus one-on-one? -on -one? I don't know what to do. Maybe this. Okay. The Psalms are an invitation to dwell with Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. They give us language that we seem to not be able to come, with, come up with on our own in prayer. They can reveal what is in our hearts when we don't know what's in there. And they're an invitation to mature in our communication and our relationship with the Lord. And, um, you know, this, again, I'm about to say something, and I'm, I'm not against the thing I'm about to talk about. I just think that generally... 
we have relegated figuring out our intimacy issues and anxiety to counselors and medications instead of first going to Jesus. Now, that's a broad spectrum of things. Obviously, Adam shared about his, his excellent experience with his counselor. I myself have benefited from counseling. I think it's a very valuable thing. I just think naturally when I talk to people, like sometimes, it's like prayer is not the first thing that they do. It's first, I want to go to someone who can fix me really fast. And counselors will tell you, I cannot fix you really fast. That's actually not how this works. But I do think counselors, boundaries, all those things are an excellent tool from the spirit when used correctly. But I think we've relegated all of our intimacy between us and like a paid professional. Very general, I'm just saying it to make a point. Um, in ZUEP, sometimes we use this word boundaries to protect ourselves from anything that makes us uncomfortable. Instead of asking the Lord, like, what does dying to myself look like here? Again, boundaries are good. I don't, I, again, I use those, but a lot of times we use them to just protect us from any uncomfortable situation. Um, we bounce between vegging out and then doing things passionately, and then we're upset because no one, not even God, quote-unquote, cares as much as I do about that thing. So again, we withdraw to our couches and our phones in hand, consuming, numbing, pacifying, being virtuously angry. And I'm talking about myself as well. Um, but let me say that wisdom starts with fear of the Lord, not education. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And if there's anything that I've said that makes you feel, like, upset with me, I just want to remind you, like, I am not your enemy. I am your sister in the faith, merely trying to communicate as best I can where I think the Lord is leading us. The actual enemy is roaring around, uh, or roaring a roaring lion, prowling around looking for someone to devour. And sometimes he turns us against each other to devour communities. And if we are perpetually distracted in all of our free time, even with Christian stuff, that is the like Christian podcasts or you know Christian Instagram accounts or Christian TikTok, whatever it is, that is still the kind of isolation that the enemy is interested in. Praying on your desires, your emotions, your FOMO and your FOBO. FOBO is fear of better options. It's kind of amazing, like, when we invite people to Sikkim, and they're like, um, thanks for the invitation, but, like, I don't know. And I'm like, bro, when I was a student, people would be, like, offended if they didn't get invited. I'm like, you don't want to go to Washington with your friends? They're like, um, I might have something then. <laughs> I'm like, ah! Um, but, yeah, that's, I, I like to do a lot of generational research, and that's, like, Gen Z's thing is fear of better options. Justin's like, yeah, I can speak for Gen Z. No, That's me. Bars. Bars, man. <laughs> but I just think if we would stop numbing ourselves with our phones for even 10 minutes and, like, kneel before the Lord of Lords, then the Lord could start reconstructing your heart. Right. If there's anything you care about more than spending time one-on-one -on -one with your good father, need I remind you of the story of Mary and Martha? where Martha was rushing around doing really good work. Like, it wasn't that Jesus was like, stop doing that, you know, like, because it's bad. It was like, no, her heart was chaotic and busy. And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Um, do you guys remember what Jesus said to Martha? Martha, 
Amen. Melissa's like, I've lived this. <laughs> I know it to my bones. <laughs> same, girl, same. One thing is needed. It is true that, like, we are called to do good work, but we have to do that good work, we have to be devoted to Jesus first so that he can order those desires appropriately. An apprenticeship to Jesus has everything to do with his lordship over you, over every area of your life. What areas of your life is he not lord over? I think we can probably all come up with something. What are the areas that you feel entitled to? I was sharing about that with my group. Like the things that make me really angry are the things that I believe like should be a guarantee, but there's just no guarantees in this world. So take a moment to ask him. And ask the Lord, what is the first thing you want me to put aside so that I can face you? Write down whatever that is. And God, I just pray that you would help them come up with something that is achievable for them. Don't try to write down 20 things and then try to do it all at once and be sad because you couldn't do it. Like, just think of one thing. And I just want to share a little bit what I've learned from my time in the Psalms the last couple years. It is true Grant has been, like, obsessed with the Psalms. He talked about that last week. He was in poor Bishop Hooper's 0.1% of all listeners last year on Spotify. I thought I was doing pretty good. I was like, oh, I'm in the top 2%. And Grant was like, 0.1%. And they're the ones that kind of came up with this every psalm concept. They put every single psalm into a song. Um, so I, that's made it a lot more engaging for me personally. But here's what I've learned and this is crazy to me, even, because this is just based on my human experience. This is what I expect from God. But God will not criticize you or punish you or shame you or accuse you into changing. It's just not how he works. I don't know how to explain it. And that is really good news. There is, you know, that job title belongs to the devil. But that's just not how God works as a good father. But we, are, like, we know shame. We know accusation. We know punishment. And then we do it to ourselves and then in turn do it to each other all the time. And that can only produce anxiety and anger and rebellion. And none of these things are made in perfect love. Perfect love drives out those things. I, I can't explain it because there's a mystery to how the spirit works. It's a mystery to the gentleness of Jesus, but you have to intentionally face God to experience it. And the Psalms are a place to face God and his perfect love for you. It's kind of amazing. If you experience the personal renewal, then you can actually shepherd other people into that yourself. You can tell them step by step. Instead of just telling people to, like, do the thing, go be with God. Like, and they're like, what, what does that mean, you know? If you do it yourself, you can tell them exactly what that looks like. And I'll get into a little, bit, a little of that in a little bit. But, you know, the Psalms are a place to face God and his perfect love for you. And his truth and correction and discipline, those are things he does do, are never without mercy, love, and grace. That is what transform us from the inside out. Information does not lead to transformation. It's just tweaking the outside. We can only experience that transformation from the inside out. And it requires humility on our part to face him. Humility says, like, Dad, like, I don't have any of this figured out, even though I've tried a thousand times over. That, I'm speaking that as someone who has failed. 
a thousand times over and more. And just asking the Lord to help you. And the Psalms are a place to take your mask off before your father. Next slide, please. So it says take off your mask. It's not political. It's a theater mask. <laughs> not one of these, a medical mask. The Psalms are a place to take off your mask before God. Read the Psalms. Let the Psalms test your heart. Say the words out loud. Tell God what's on your mind. If you're sleepy, fall asleep. It's okay to be a kid with God because you're his kid. If we're honest, we have so much going on beneath the surface than we even realize. Disappointment, bitterness. And so Adam basically introed my sermon for me. Disappointment, bitterness, people who have let us down, trauma, hatred, etc. Fits of rage, discord, you know. And if we have yet to give it to God, then like I will be surprised if we are still following Jesus in five years. And I don't say that to scare you or condemn you at all. I'm just telling you what I've seen. People kind of will buy into it because they're like, oh, this is a group of people that like really cares about changing the world and they've got Metro Auto Ministry and they go to Our Daily Bread and they do all these things. But when you kind of just only do the thing, the thing that you can only control, you burn out and realize that you're not God and then people kind of fall away from the faith. Um, you just can't go on for very long on the narrow path without honestly being a codependent, needy child on the Lord. It is okay to be codependent and needy on God. You can't do that with other people. Again, they're not God. You can do a little bit of dependency and, and have some of those needs met, but you can do all of that with the Lord. If I were Leslie, I'd be like, yes, this is what I've been preaching for 10 years to this group of people. <laughs> and how inter interesting that we can only be interested in the aspects of faith that we can do something about. And as Josh Nadeau says, he says, burnout is a hell of a drug. Also, here's another thing I've learned. You can ask God for anything and everything all of the time. You just have to be okay with how he answers. Silence is an answer. And if we're honest with him, he is all the more good and interesting like a person in the flesh, like Jesus. And maybe it's that Jesus is there and before him we can take off our masks and let our tears and aches and pains and joys be turned into something holy and good. Um, next slide, please. Psalm 126 says, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Um, Eugene Peterson says, All suffering, all pain, all emptiness, all disappointment is a seed. Sow it in God, and he will finally bring a crop of joy from it. We will not understand this if we are not faithful to turn these things to him. And he's waiting. Oh, you can kind of see this one. That's good. And the good news that I personally have struggled with my whole life but am finally settling into is that God is a good father. All good theology starts with God being a good father. And that has become something that finally means something to me. And for all of us who don't get that yet, like, let me tell you, that is the posture of every hero of the faith. I, was re I think it's Polycarp. He was martyred, 
And he was like in his 80s and it, he was martyred for his faith. And the thing he said was, how could I now abandon Jesus when he has not yet abandoned me? Like that is a visceral experience of belonging to the Lord. And if that's not where you're at, I really encourage you to ask God for help with that aspect of your faith because it is so much of what we need. Um, I had a friend that she had remembered something traumatic. I guess it was like a repressed memory. And we were both like, man, she's probably going to need a lot of counseling for this. Like, and I was telling her like all these truths about her, like you're not bad, you're not gross, like that wasn't your fault, you know. But I was like, honestly, dude, I think you need to hear this from the Lord. Like, I just don't think this is going to mean very much coming from me. And which, you know, it was like reassuring, but it's still, you know, it just, you know, when someone's trying to tell you the truth about yourself and you're like, I just, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I gave her some Psalms. I prayed for her. And then I asked her, I was like, just go. Cause she has a prayer closet. Okay. I'm a big fan of turning people's closets into places that they can pray. And she went and Two hours later, this girl came back, and she goes, God loves me. He's not embarrassed of me. He doesn't think I'm gross. He loves me. I feel totally fine. Like, God had completely put that one memory right in its place, and she has felt fine ever since, and it's been six months. I'm not saying that'll happen every time. Like, certainly there are some things that are going to take a lot longer, a lot more help, a lot more patience to grow through, but I was like, dang, like even I was a little surprised that it happened so quickly, but I think that's just how good God is. And so what do I do, Shayla, the person who's making a plea with you to actually do? I'll tell you what I do. I go into my closet and I listen to poor Bishop Hooper's Psalms a lot of the times, not the Psalms exclusively, but scripture. Then I read it in my Bible, and I, and I pray, and I journal, and I'm quiet. Sometimes I cry or fall asleep, or sometimes God corrects me or encourages me or helps me or comforts me. In this uninterrupted space, for the most part, sometimes Grant's looking for me, and he like, is like, uh, Shayla, are you in there? I'm like, yeah, I'm crying. What's up? Um, but that is the place that I am the most secure in my relationship with him, and the most transformed, even if there's nothing that seemingly happens. Again, mystery to how it works. I'm not arrogantly confident or condescending about it, as far as I know, but like secure, a security that kind of carries me through the whiplash of each day. And it's just kind of amazing how this foundational truth can work its way into every part of my DNA and life as it's currently doing. Um, and it reshapes how I think about everything. And for someone like me to say that, someone who has a lot of dad issues, like, that's a miracle. Um, my stepdad's raised me, by the way, and he's done a great job, but I still got my issues. So, But don't take my word for it. Don't just be like, okay, this crazy lady is, like, telling me what to do. Like, go test it out. Right, Melissa? Be a good scientist. Test out the hypothesis and see what happens. <laughs> Make room for your, in your heart for his word. One of Jesus' problems with the Pharisees is that they had no room in their hearts for his word. They thought they knew God's word and what it meant, but they got it wrong. And they really thought they were doing what was best. We fall into that trap all the time. We must make room for his word all the time. And the psalms that have been particularly meaningful to me this last year are Psalm 1, 
2, 16, 23, 30, 33, and 91. You're probably thinking like, what about Psalms 33 through 91? Do any of those matter? Yes, it's just not, I kind of went all over the place. But especially 16 and 91 have meant a lot to me. Uh, next slide, please. So this is from Scott Sauls. He's a pastor, and he studied under Tim Keller for a while. He's in Tennessee, and he says, Martha, Martha, before you try to change the world, you must first let me change you. Before you make your mark on others, you must first let me make my mark on you. Before you get busy to make things better, you must first let me make you better. Before you can serve and feed me, you must first let me serve and feed you. I think the Psalms are a place where we can sit at Jesus' feet and give him the one thing that is needed. And I want you to imagine, like, if everyone in our community kind of took this seriously, where we would be at in a couple years. Like, what if our default wasn't being rushed or hurt easily or numb or annoyed or stressed or withdrawn or anxious? Like, imagine as a community we are rested despite the demands of reality. Jesus seemed to do it, and I can't think of anyone who had a more demanding life than the Son of God. Like, imagine our community is a place where people prepare and reflect and pray regularly alone and are eating Sabbath meals together and valuing that and sharing all the love they've received from God that week together. It sounds a lot like Acts 2, 42 through 47. I can't quite remember. Imagine humble, compassionate people that pray willingly instead of getting bottlenecked by self-consciousness. Imagine our community being a place where people confidently and humbly dispute lies with the truth from Jesus in love. Imagine we are a people who are arrested, who rest together, who rest with Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, and that our obedience is an outflow of love, not fear. And imagine us then offering the city of Denton or wherever it is you live the peace of Christ because we keep experiencing it. That's amazing. Peace, Prince of Peace, you know. Peace that surpasses all understanding. And there's no doubt that some of that has already begun and has been happening for a while, but we have to keep growing. For the rest of our lives, we have to keep maturing. Um, and there are pockets of heaven throughout our community, which is why a lot of us are here. This is kind of the best thing we've ever experienced. But sometimes I think we have a glaring blind spot of performance fatigue, and we cannot lead others where we are not willing to go. But being people who are led by love starts with sitting at Jesus' feet one-on-one. -on -one. The danger is that if we don't do this, we will depend on others' faith for spiritual milk for the rest of our lives, or we will leave God altogether because the cost of being a disciple is too high. And we'll end up quiet quitting discipleship, as it were. Now, I can't tell you exactly what your next step is um, personally, but I don't know what else I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, I can't tell you what your next step is, but it is possible for every single one of us to take the next step. And I just want to remind you, like, it's okay to fall asleep during this time. It's just because you didn't produce something or get something out of it immediately doesn't mean it was bad. Like, I don't think parents are like, what can I get out of my kid today? You know, I think they're like, I'm just glad I got to hang out with them. Oh, last thing is that obedience is success. Obedience is maturity. Don't be concerned with the outcome. Right. 
I think I have one more slide, but I don't know what happened. Oh, yeah, that's the good news. I already told you that. The good news is that God is a good father. In Henry Nouwen, who says, he says, I am the prodigal son every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. I think we need to know that. Okay, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you, for, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for our visitors today. Um, I just pray that if anyone is feeling like ashamed or self-conscious or anxious because of what I said, that you would just obliterate that and like send it back to hell where it came from. And I pray that um, people would experience your love and compassion. And Lord, I just pray that you would empower them to take the next step, whatever that looks like for them, and help them to discern what that next step is and to lead us in that together. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.